Good morning again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are not limited, Father God, except by us. And Lord, we just pray this morning that we would open up our hearts, our minds, and our souls to you, Father God, that you might come in and change us, Father God. Bring us to uh, a better understanding of who you are and who we are, Father God, and, and the love that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. This thought uh, this morning, as I start, we've been talking a bit about God as our Father and how he's a good dad, how he loves us, how he wants to do good things in our life. And um, there's a couple of, I guess I thought I'd share a couple of testimonies that are sort of fun. Um, one of them is this, as we were talking about praise a few weeks ago, um, at our connect group, the men's group that we had the other night, we were talking about that and, and one of the guys was just saying, you know, singing never really meant that much to me or praising God, but as he started to enter in, he's, he's starting to get praise and worship and he was just talking about how he started to feel a bit tingly in praise and worship. And I just thought that is just so awesome, isn't it? Like God is so interested in us that he just even wants us to experience his goodness, not just know about it but to actually experience it. And we were talking about how praise and worship, when we actually connect our hearts with God, it starts to change who we are. But it also allows us to enter into his presence in, a, in an amazing way. One of the things that uh, one of my old pastors said to me once, he said, Neil, if you lose your song, then you need to get it back. And um, yeah, I don't think I've ever lost the song in my life, but there are times where you stop praising, you stop worshipping God. And you will notice that at those times that it seems like there's a chain around you and I don't know, maybe this is a word for someone this morning, I feel that it is, that you're in a place where you don't want to praise, you don't want to worship God, you're feeling low. But the very thing that can break those chains is praise and worship in your life. That you need to get the song back in your heart. You were a worshipper, but you've put it behind you because of circumstance and God's saying, let it go. Let it go. Just let rip with your praise and worship in your private time. Start to get that song flowing again because God wants to release that in your life and you'll find that as you do, God is just going to break those chains again and joy will return. Um, If that's you, this morning I'd just love to be able to pray with you at the end, so just hold that in mind. The second one is that, um, well, sort of two. I, I prayed for a guy a little while ago. I remember I talked to you about it, a guy walking his dog in the park, and I was like, mind my lawn, I was like, you know, God, I know you want me to pray for him. He'd mentioned to me before he was hobbling along and that. So I went, prayed for him, and um, yeah, ran, <laughs> ran across the park and, stop, no, I've got to pray for you. No, I didn't do it like that, but I just started a conversation and we prayed, and I saw him just last week, and he was saying, oh, you know, thanks for praying for me. It feels better than it did. And I thought, you know, that's awesome. It started, God started to do something. So my next step, I'm thinking, is I really want to somehow invite him to the men's group when we meet in my house and just say, hey, would you like to come along and meet some guys that you can just chat with? Um, the next one was the other day I was walking along, actually going to the gym, and you know how the Holy Spirit speaks to you? Does everyone know? Like there's that sort of impression in, in your heart that's sort of like, yeah, that's, that's God. Usually it's not a voice from heaven. It, it has happened to people. Usually it's not a sign in the heavens like the bat thing that shines up there and says, I need you now. Um, <laughs> angels on assignment or something. But it's just that feeling. And I walked past this guy and he's sitting down. And I was like, you want me to pray for him, don't you, God? Yeah, yeah. So I went back and he'd had a knee operation. So 
it's just interesting that why did God stop me there, but not at other times, you know? Like, why did God stop me now? I believe, yes, we can pray for anyone. Of course we can. But when it's that urge of the Spirit, so I stopped on a turn around and and if you've never done this, it's really awkward. Um, I've done it a few times, a few times really badly, you've got to say. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll recount one story which I've said here before, but when I was a young fella, about maybe 18, see, bold, guys, young people, don't be scared until you hear this story, then you'll be petrified. <laughs> no, but we, I was... I was uh, at the credit union in town, come outside, and I felt like I was meant to pray for this guy um, behind me. He had a walking stick, and I was like, oh, God, you're telling me he's got cancer or something, and I was just like, oh, I've got to pray for him. So I sat outside, and I said, God, if he walks to the left, that's a sign from you. I'm going to pray for this guy. If he goes to the right, I won't. And you know how you sit there, and you're like, gee, I hope he turns right. <laughs> anyway, he turned left. I went up to him, and I'm like, oh, Excuse me, you like boom, 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 heart's going and, and your mouth's just like dry as. Oh, I just wanted to know, um, this might seem like a strange question. Uh, have you got cancer? <laughs> the guy looks at me, like a real mean guy. Like, you know how you get some people that are nice? I go, it's all right, buddy. You're just a bit strange. But, but this guy was like, what sort of question? And it was like spit coming out of his mouth. Is that to ask anybody? And I was like, sorry. <laughs> and I ran away. Anyway. Let's just encourage you. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> no. But anyway, I went back to this guy and, and uh, I prayed for his knee. I asked him, what had happened to your knee and would you mind if I pray? Oh, uh, here? Yeah, yeah, here. Okay, that'd be good. So anyway, we started talking. I prayed and he had his back out. And I'm like, sorry, prayed. I got him up to walk. Does that feel any better? Yeah, a bit better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you don't know sometimes whether they're telling the truth or not, but that doesn't matter. Um, anyway, it turned out that three weeks ago he'd first gone to church and he was actually a Buddhist so it's just really encouraging to, to, I just want to encourage you guys to listen to the spirit, sometimes walk into that hard and awkward moment gently um, and be prepared sometimes to get it wrong you know. and I just want to encourage you to do that but the more you do it, the more you learn to hear God's voice, it's like because you make these mistakes and you're like, whoops uh, that didn't work out really well. Um, so anyway, it was good to pray for him and we talked about his son and, and stuff like that and prayed for that as well. Be bold, guys. Be bold. Not pushy, not arrogant, not boisterous, not anything like that, but just allow yourself to be used of the Spirit of God every single day. Just wake up with that attitude, God, what do you want me to do today? Can you guide my steps? And inevitably he will. Um, the more we submit to what he wants, the more he will use us. And, and it's funny, you know, like when you buy a new car and you're like, I'm going to get a Corolla. And you've never seen a Corolla on the street before, certainly not one your colour, but you're thinking this colour, this Corolla, and you're driving around, all of a sudden they're everywhere. Have you ever noticed that? Because you're looking out for them. You're, you're looking for that car because it's like what you're focused on. And as Christians, it's really important that we decide that we're going to focus on God. What do you want me to do today so we're not missing those God opportunities every day? Okay. All right. This week I wanted to look at um, Saul. Notes, yes. For people who want them, take them. There's some questions too if you want to use them in, the, uh, in your connect groups for a bit of study. But um, 
I've been reading about Saul and David. So King Saul was the first king of Israel uh, way back in the old days. And David was his predecessor, anointed after Saul. But the way Saul came about wasn't really a godly way. It wasn't a decision that God had decided, you know what, it's time to have a king over Israel. It seems that there was a time that that was meant to happen because God actually laid out, when you're in the foreign land and you want a king, this is the sort of guy I want you to look for. So it wasn't unexpected for God that they would have a king. But Saul came into power because people there wanted... The, the elders of Israel got together. What happened was Samuel the prophet, he was um, a really good dude. You know, like he was just... Uh, he could stand before the people and say, I've done nothing wrong in my whole life, have I? And they go, no, nah, you're great. But his sons had turned away from the truth and they were to be judging over Israel and they were doing the wrong thing. And what happened was the elders decided that it's about time we got what we wanted. And what I wanted to talk a little bit about was Paul's insecurity and how that affected his life. Because it really does affect us all. I don't know about any of you guys, but I'm insecure at times. Um, and I've certainly been insecure in the past. Uh, I remember hiding because I had the wrong type of shirt on one day at school. And I felt so embarrassed and ashamed. Now, that's insecure, isn't it? You're thinking, no one will like me. I won't fit in. Um, And no doubt all of you have done that at some stage. There's insecurities that we all have. Now, this, this morning, I'm not really talking about building up our security. My plan is, so far, for next week, that we'll have a look at that. Because King David, when he came on the scene after Saul, he was a man that God said was after my own heart, whereas Saul really wasn't. Um, and as you start to contrast and compare their lives, you'll see that Saul was a very insecure man, whereas David was very confident. But David's confidence came in God, not in himself, but in God. He knew God. Remember the story of, um, if you do, the, the story of David and Goliath, and he came up against a giant, and he was just sort of like, so bold and confident, don't worry about it, I've got this, because why? Because how dare you come against the God? of the armies of Israel. It wasn't about him. He was saying, I'm going to smite you this day and I'm going to cut off your head. And he did. Um, Good reading. Um, So the Old Testament is full of stories like that. And if you want to read all about King David and King Saul, go through um, Samuel. So you'll see most of the the references that I've put in the notes are from 1 Samuel. And as you read through that, you'll get a real good picture overall um, of their lives and and how God worked. Now, you'll see, obviously, a lot of similarities in things that they did, um, but their motives were very different. So as we talk about insecurity today, you'll see some of the things that I highlight that I saw through Saul's life that showed insecurity, and you might go, well, you know how you're tempted to just put that on people? Oh, that's what they are, that's what they are, or, you know, they're obviously this, but sometimes it's not out of that. So for example, when people from insecurity start to um, resist others physically so that they don't lose their power, sometimes there is a need for physical force to be used, such as police against criminals. That's not about insecurity. It's about, about um, getting that, the right, right order of things, really. Okay? So don't don't try and grab this and necessarily just throw it on other people but you will be able to i've got no doubt about it as we look through this about some of the actions that insecurity leads to with saul's life it really started off um 
in a small way and his insecurity stopped him being powerful but then his insecurity made him powerful but not in a godly way near the end of his life Um, and at the very end he was just destroyed okay so we're going to start looking at his his life and the behaviors that came out of his life from insecurity so to start with first samuel chapter 8 verse 5 what had happened as i told you they they wanted to appoint a king and this is what they said look they told samuel you are now old and your sons are not like you give us a king to judge like all the other nations have just a little bit further on in verse 7, God's talking to Samuel because Samuel was upset by this. He said, Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for it is me they are rejecting, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. So a lot of insecurity rises out of this, this first part. It's sort of like, oh, I want to be like them. I want to have what they've got. And obviously as a nation of Israel or as Christians, this is like people saying, you know what? I just want what the world's got. I want what they've got. It seems to work really well. And at times, God will actually let you walk that way. You say, well, if that's your choice, you go. Remember, we've talked about that so many times. Your choice, your life, your choice. What are you going to do? Not at all what God wanted to really have to do. But what he said was that the, the, the start, really, of the insecurity came in rejecting God. In other words, they weren't making God king of their life. Insecure people are not secure in their relationship with God. They do not know who they are and they do not know whose they are. They don't know they belong to God and as we've been talking about God the Father, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he wants the best for us. They don't know that and so out of that comes an insecurity. Does God really love me? Does God really care for me? Maybe there's a better way that we can do this and so at the beginning it's like this, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to make sure that I'm doing things the very best that I can to get what I want or what I need and I'm now going to abandon God as my king and I'm now going to serve my own desires. And I'm going to look for what I want, which is exactly what they got. They got exactly what they wanted from God. So Saul, in a way, was hostage to this circumstance in terms of like he didn't actually want to be king. It wasn't in his plans and and as you read through his life, you'll see he was definitely someone who had low self-esteem but it started with that the rejection of God in your life will cause insecurity there's no doubt about it because what you're saying is that I'm good enough when you're not God is the only one who is good enough God is the only one who has enough authority and power to actually work in your life the way that it should work So let's look at how um, Saul was actually anointed for king. So he's recognised before this. Read the story. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 21 to 23. So Samuel's gone and he's going to find Saul. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord. And the family of the Matrites was chosen. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen among them. But when they looked for him, he disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out and he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Saul had every reason to have confidence in the natural. If you look at his life, he was, he was in a family that was wealthy and rich and had influence. 
He was described as the most handsome man in Israel and he was taller than everyone else. He was a strapping man. He was a man who, by physical standards, met everything that these Israelites decided would suit them to have as a king. The outward appearance looked so good, so strong, everything they wanted. And God, it seemed, searched for someone who would fit their desires so perfectly. In, in other words, he really gave them the desires of, the, of their hearts. But this is a real good picture of how having everything doesn't make you a secure person. So we look at this and we're going, oh, wow, Saul went and hid. Well, how old was he? About 30. We're not talking about a kid who's like scared at the age of 12 and thinking, man, I'm going to be the king. This is a guy who's 30 and he's been brought before everyone and then all of a sudden, where's Saul? He's gone. He's hiding. He's away from what his calling is to be in God. And what can happen is that that insecurity starts to erode us because we're now placed in positions where we are not secure but he's been placed in a position that will be a position of power. But it seems that, Paul, that Saul hadn't developed the character that he needed to go along with the calling that he was called for and therefore it's destined to fail. Christians, it is so important that you develop your character if you want to walk into a call of God. Because it is by your character that you stand or you fall. It is not by the call that you stand or fall. God said that many are called but few are chosen. Why? It's not because the call's not on their life, but God's saying, I can't trust you. Your character has not been developed to a point where I can actually use you for the call that you're called to successfully. So work on it. Develop your character. And what happens is when you're insecure, you start to think about what other people want. How can I modify my character, my behaviour and my decisions, not based on my core beliefs, but on what people will think about me? You will start to base those, those actions going against your core beliefs because you want to fit in, because you want to gain authority, because you want to gain approval, because you want to hold position or you want to gain control. Why would you want to gain control if you're insecure? Because then it makes you feel like you're important. And insecurity plays on that. All those things start to play on it. When you're insecure, you will act in a way that makes you feel important, but still insecure. Think about it with people. You see it all the time, don't you? Why do you think drug lords kill everyone who's coming against them? They're insecure. They're, they're almost revered and they think people will die for them, but they won't really. As soon as they lose what they have, they're gone. And this is what we see throughout Saul's life as we start to look at some of the reasons that, or some of the ways that his insecurity started to, to work in his life. We had Saul whose armies would fight for him, but they weren't really loyal to him. And he was the king. When it comes to David, who came along as the next anointed king, he was in no position of authority. He was basically an outcast and running away and hiding in a cave. Men who were disaffected, that were, were people who had gone through bankruptcy, that were having a hard time, came to that cave. 
to a man without authority, without position, without power, and those guys would die for David. Isn't that incredible? That someone will try and gain power and authority out of bullying, tyranny, holding people to ransom, yet they never gained everything that they really wanted, which was really a deep respect and love from those around them. So they were holding this position, like Saul was holding that position of power, authority. He had everything that they needed, but they would be loyal to him as long as that lasted. But with David, he had none of those, yet those guys would die for David. Isn't that what we want as Christians? That we start to love each other that way, that we start to respect and honour each other so much that we are secure in our relationship with God that when we get together... It's not about who's the favourite. It's not about anything like that, but there's a security and there's a love for one another where we would go and die. We would go and die for our brother. We would go and die for our sister, not because they have power, but because they have our love. So as you look through his life, let's have a look at some of them. Saul actually moved from pleasing people to controlling people, and all of it based in his insecurity. So here's a bit of a list that I've got below of of some of the ways the behaviour played out. Number one, sorry, I've got a typo in that by the way. Number one, disobedience to God's commands to stop people from following him should be to stop people from leaving him, okay? He began to compromise to keep people with him. This is where the army was um, waiting for Samuel to come and, and perform a sacrifice for them and Saul could see that people started to leave and so what he did was he compromised and he said, I'm going to make the sacrifice myself. I'm not going to do things in the right order. I'm not going to hold true to the values that I have because I don't want people to leave me. That is played out so many times, isn't it? Where people will be so desperate to gain people's approval, they will even do anything for someone who's bullying them. There's definitely mother-daughter relationships like that, father-son like that, where a child will all the time, from their insecurity, keep trying to please the abuser, wanting them to accept them, and, and out of that insecurity, which which has usually come from that bullying in the first place, there's a desperation to hold on to and please that one and they never become their own person. So firstly, trying to control by, by short-circuiting the right way to do things, compromising who you are, that is sometimes a sign of insecurity. Building a monument to himself, that was the next thing. 1 Samuel 25 verse, sorry, 15 verse 12. Insecure people will try to make themselves look good. You ever met that guy? Man, I'm awesome. I did this, I did that, I did, oh, I'm so amazing. I can do anything. I can build anything. I can whatever. Whatever you ask them, yep, no worries, I've got it covered. I don't know what it's like with women, but I've met a heap of guys like that. Where you start to build this monument to yourself, Have you found that in your life where you're trying to make yourself look good even when you haven't been good? 
That is an insecurity starting to play out. And this is what we saw in Saul's life. Starting to build a monument to himself. I'm so good. Make sure you remember me. Make sure that you're, you're seen to be doing well. Ever done that? Man, I, I, oh, the boss is there. I'm going to look like I'm really busy. They're going to think I'm awesome. And then they'll like me. And then this and then that. You make yourself look good. This, this is where it comes down to the works thing, isn't it? Where we're just trying to make sure that people are impressed with us. <laughs> There's a lot of that happens, right? My daughter was showing me or reading out to me from a, a website, not a website, a Facebook thing or something, <laughs> about a rugby team in, in uh, Townsville, a ladies one. And honestly, come on, we're talking just, you know, sports at a low level, um, and how they puffed themselves up with pride because they won. We're going to smash everyone. We're the best. You know, next year it's going to be even worse for you guys. We're going to get you. And, and you wonder why. Why do you do that? Because you're insecure. You need something to rely on to make yourself look good, right? People do it all the time. They're trying to attach themselves to something. If my footy team wins, I'm amazing. <laughs> you guys are idiots. <laughs> You support New South Wales, you crazy people. That makes me better than you, right? I'm better than you because I support Queensland and we won. (laughs) Me sitting on the couch watching (laughs) and them actually doing something. But isn't it amazing how insecurity does that? We've got to suddenly link ourselves with something successful as well. Okay, next. Listening to the voice of people and blaming others. Paul, Saul's security came out in this, okay? We talked about this story a little while ago at church where he was meant to sacrifice all the animals or get, kill all the animals, but instead he brought back the best animals. And uh, Samuel came to him and said, weren't you meant to get rid of all the, the animals and, and kill them? He said, oh, no, no, no. I uh, brought back the best animals to sacrifice to God um, and... Because what Samuel said was, well, yeah, he said, yeah, I've killed them all. And he said, well, how come I can hear some sheep? What's going on? You know, like, you're pretty dopey, Saul. At least hide them. (laughs) But he started to blame others. Insecurity will come out in that way. And what Saul actually said was, I did it because the people wanted me to do it. I changed obedience and was disobedient because people around me wanted me to be like that. And blaming others is a sign that you are not secure in yourself. You look at Saul, he wanted to blame others all the time. It was everyone else's fault. You look at David, he did wrong. No doubt about it, but every time he took it squarely on his own shoulders and he said, I did this. He was secure. He was so sure of himself and his position before God that he could do that quite comfortably, say, yep, that was my fault. And that is also part of making yourself look good, isn't it? How many people are at workplaces where it's always someone else's fault when they're talking, oh, yeah, no, this wasn't done. Oh, yeah, that was her. Yeah, that was her. That was him. That was, you know, it certainly wasn't me. (laughs) You see it at home, don't you, sometimes with your kids? 
You know, he was meant to do the dishes. Nobody was apparently, you know, like it wasn't sorted. But you'll see insecurity rise up this way with people, that it, that it starts to be like, if I'm in trouble, I'm, I need to blame someone else to get out of it. Why? Because what you're doing is from that insecurity trying to hold your position where you are and keeping people thinking good of you. Why? Because you don't think good of yourself. There's something inside of you that says that if I admit this, I'm not good enough. Being jealous of other people's success. So what happened here was this is where after a war, um, Saul came back and they had this big parade and the, the ladies were singing and he's probably standing there, hair flowing, tall, looking really handsome and they're singing, Saul, you've killed thousands. He's probably feeling so awesome. Man, I am awesome. You're right, guys. Girls, you should love me. And then they started to sing a song that he didn't like to hear. But David, he's killed tens of thousands. Ooh, wait a minute. There's a startling change in his heart and a darkness came over him because of his insecurity. In the Christian world, what does this mean? This means, you know how the Bible says rejoice in other people's success? As Christians, we're not meant to tear down, we're meant to build up. And because sometimes we think that our importance is based on whatever, how many times are people pulled down rather than celebrated? Saul could have had a totally different heart here. He could have said, wow, that's right, David, you are awesome. I'm going to love you and I'm going to care for you. One of the best things you can ever do as a Christian is elevate someone above yourself. In fact, that's what we're meant to do. When it says don't think highly, more highly of yourself than you ought, one way to combat that is always think of everyone higher than yourself and you can think of yourself as highly as you want as long as you're thinking of them higher, as long as you're putting them before you in everything and celebrating the success they have. But insecurity will cause you to start to pull others down. Have you met people like that, middle managers, that, that always are pulling down their boss? It's like a little white ant eating away at the wall, eroding the confidence of the people underneath so that they can gain control and they can gain power and they can gain influence. Why? Sometimes it is just evil, but a lot of the time it's that insecurity. I want to be loved more than the boss. I do. It's just so much more important to me that you guys think I'm awesome and he's not. As Christians, how can we battle that in our workplaces? Can we change our mind? Have you ever seen yourself acting like that? Where all you're ever doing is negative talking everyone else around you, pulling them down. Why? Because I want that next promotion. And you're going for it with your best friend and they get the promotion. And you're like, oh, yeah. Have you ever been in those situations where you hear someone say, you know, you're so excited, you love this person, man, they're so awesome, they came and helped me, I think they're an awesome person. They go, yeah, yeah, they're awesome. You know straight away what they're doing, right? I'm jealous of what they're doing, especially if they're a friend and it's like people, though, play on that insecurity. People who are smart will play on it. And they'll play you off against each other. Don't worry about that. But they can't play insecure people off each other. So what they'll do is they'll go to one person and say, you're amazing, you're better than that friend. They'll go to the other friend, you're amazing, you're better than that friend. Or they'll go the other way around and say, man, this friend, they were amazing, they were so good to me. And as you're standing there, you know exactly what they're saying is, you don't measure up to them. 
And what will happen is insecurity will start to drive you to say, well, I better perform better. I'm not a good enough friend to take the first place. So as, you, as you're living your life at work, have a little think. Have, what am I doing? What am I contributing to this place? Am I contributing security or insecurity? Am I pulling down so that I can be elevated? That's mostly what it is, isn't it? You want to make other people look bad, why? There's only one reason I can think of, so you look good. Elevating yourself, pride, which is exactly what caused the fall in the Garden of Eden. We want to be like God. It's exactly why Satan was kicked out of heaven. I want to be like God. It's exactly why people today who refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour end up not in heaven with him. Pride. Lift yourself up and I want to be God. Okay. Just quickly skip through a couple here. You let fear begin to dominate you and you create an enemy. You start to become fearful because you're not confident. Next one. You start to enlist others to destroy the threat. So what happened in that verse that's written down there? King Saul went to his son Jonathan and said, Jonathan, can you kill David for me? They keep their hands clean, right? Have you ever seen those mafia shows like that? It's like, have you killed anyone? No. But I've sent 20 people out. They've killed everyone. You know, it's like they're on my side. You start to enlist others because you're insecure. You have to be really careful of this. This is so easy to do, isn't it? You're in, in, a, in a conflict situation... Um, husband, wife, friends, workplace, whatever, and you'll see people going around and they're worming their way through the whole place. Oh, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, and and, uh, you should be against them. How about you come and join my army? We'll fight together against this evil that's coming against me. And sometimes their hands look really, really clean as well. Manipulative, and they'll get you to do the dirty work, and at the end of the day... You know, the cops can't arrest him because he's never killed anyone. They can't prove that he sent anyone else to do it, but he's enlisted someone to do it. Be careful with that. If you find yourself doing that all the time, that means you're not secure. You're not secure in the relationship with that person you're in conflict with because you've got to get people on your side to try and get the weight of argument for you. You need to go to God. Start to hear his heart on those things. God, what do you say in this situation? Because what happens is we tend to go and gravitate to people who tell us exactly what we want to hear. Yeah, you're right, they are bad. And so many people are compliant. Why? Because they're insecure. So have you ever been in a situation where one person says something and they're really strong and forceful, blah, 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 this is the truth. Nine out of ten people don't believe that. Nine out of ten people say nothing back because they don't want to look like the one who's different, who's standing up for a value, who's standing up for a belief, and they don't even realise that there's eight other people there that actually believe the same thing that they do. And what happens is fear dominates. Fear gets its way. Then it gets to trying to remove themselves. This is where his insecurity started to turn around. So we see bullies are like this. They're insecure. Why do you need to bully someone if, to, to get compliance if they love you? Why do you need to bully your husband or your wife 
to get compliance. If they love you, if you're secure in that relationship, you shouldn't have to do it. But Saul did that. He started to try and take the threat out himself. He threw a spear at David to kill him and then the rest of his life seemed to be spent hunting David down, the threat to his throne. David never would have taken that throne by force. He had chance to kill Saul so many times in reality that he could have done it and he said, no, God's placed him there. I'm not going to be the one to remove it. This is the difference in the heart. Saul's like, I need to get rid of that threat. Trust God. Trust him. Don't try and manipulate and do things yourself because you're insecure and you don't trust God. That's where it really boils down to, isn't it? I'm trusting God for this, but I'm trying to do everything in my own strength to try and make it happen. Now, I understand there's a part on us to have to do things, but... I trust God, but I'm not going to wait. I'm going to interfere everywhere I can to try and get the result I want because I'm not really trusting God. The Bible says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from God. It says God lifts up and he elevates the humble. But how many people are actually willing to take that humble position and wait for God to raise them up instead of trying to take something by force? David did that. He was a hunted man, anointed already as king, Yet he didn't try and force that to happen and say, well, now I've got God's blessing, bang, you're dead, Saul. Not that swords go bang, but um, to take it by force. Think of that in your life. Are there things where you're struggling and, and you're not actually really trusting God, that insecurity in what God can do? Where you're trying to make things happen and every time it doesn't happen, you're angry at God, you're angry at circumstances, you're angry at situations, rather than going, okay, God, is this a door you've closed here? If it is, that's fine. Where are you opening something for me? What are you leading me into? And lastly, uh, the last two things, destroying those associated with the threat. So he started to kill those who helped David out. And the last one, using ungodly methods to try and gain control. So at the end of his life, you see see um, Saul going and seeing a, a witch basically, someone who brings spirits out from the grave. Um, before Jesus died, there's a whole lot of people the Bible talks about being captive and it said he went down and he preached to the captives and led them free. He preached to those already dead. Um, there's two bodies that we know definitely went to heaven. One was Moses, one was Elijah. Elijah was taken up, uh, Enoch probably. Moses, the Bible says that they're actually fighting over Michael, the archangel, was fighting for, for the body of Moses to take up to heaven and he had to rebuke. Um, you'll find that, I can't remember where it is now, James, I think, but I'm not sure. But there was a fight for that body to take it up. So he called up the spirit of Samuel, the prophet, who had died and he wanted to get God's word because what happened, he was praying to God, what should I do? But he'd walked so far away from him, there was no interest from God whatsoever. So what he did was he tried to use an ungodly method to get a godly answer. That is a bad thing to do. If you are in trouble to go to someone who's ungodly, And ask for their opinion and for their help to get you out of the situation. You need to go to God, go to the Holy Spirit, go to 
people you know are godly people that can give wise and sound advice and get that, get God's heart on the matter. So this is just a little rundown of, of through his life, just to, just to sort of say, hey, listen, insecurity can make you do things that you don't want to do. You don't want to end up there like him. Insecurity can firstly cause you to be a people pleaser. Whatever they want, I'll give them so I can get elevated, but then it can turn around to a very nasty situation. Why do husbands beat their wives? Why do they follow them around? Why do they stalk them? Because they want control. Why? Because they are not secure in that relationship. And many times it's not even founded. An insecurity that starts you to actually look for power and control. People with power and control can be very insecure. But we're not to be like that. We're Christians. We're meant to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. And as Jesus came, he didn't try to take things by force. He came in an attitude of love. And at the end of his days, he washed the, the, serve, the feet of the disciples and said, I want you guys to do this to each other. You're not to rule as the rulers of the world do who think that it's by force and by coercion and, and that sort of way. He said, but your way is so different, Christians. We can be secure because we serve an amazing, loving God who has placed in us the Spirit of Christ. And if we rely on that and we know who we are in Christ and we know whose we are, that we belong to him, the security of that relationship will start to change everything else in your life and you can be quite willing to be someone who washes others' feet. Oh yes, you stand up for injustice. Oh yes, you're strong for the poor and the weak. But you are so soft-hearted and gentle serving those around you that you are secure in that, not thinking that you're less or more because of it, but you know that God loves you just because of who you are, that he doesn't care what you look like, where you're from, what your circumstances were, anything like that. The love that he has for each and every person is exactly the same. And you can be so secure in that because he is the one who assigns value and gives value and the value he gave to you is this, that he sent his son to die for you. That is powerful. That is love in action. And if we can think that a God would do that for us, how could we possibly be insecure and think less of ourselves than we are? I hate... This is one of my little pet things. You can disagree with me very much so. But I hate that thought of self-worth. I think it's such trash. Because there's no such thing as true self-worth that is not filled with pride. Yes, you should feel good about yourself and value yourself. But you see, the thing is that my self-worth changes with how I feel each day. One day I feel good about myself, the next I don't. And yes, I do have low self-worth because I'm trusting in me. I'm trusting in my feelings or my circumstances or my situation. But God value never, ever changes. And that doesn't change whether you have a bad hair day or a good hair day. It doesn't change whether you've been bad one day and good the next. It doesn't change whether you've grown to a handsome young man or, or not. It really doesn't matter whether you've got a good job or a bad job, a lot of money, no money. If you're sick or if you're in health, it doesn't change anything. If you've got legs or no legs, it doesn't matter. God loves every single person the same because he has assigned the value to every single person. And the value that he assigned to you is Jesus Christ on a cross with his arms stretched out that said, I want you. 
I want you in my family because I love you so much. And that is where you need to start to feel secure, that security that God is a good God, that he loves you. And don't live your life trying to please other people. We should be pleasing to other people because our life reflects the glory of God because there's a sweet aroma coming out of our hearts and our lives that touches people around us and who couldn't be pleased with someone who loves them dearly. It's impossible not to let that flow over. In the Bible, when it talks about unsaved husbands and wives, and it says, wives, live your life so that when your husband looks at you, the grace of God will flow out of you like a perfume and that they would be saved. You never know, wife, whether he will be saved or not because of your life. People are watching you. They're looking at your life, and, and the life of love is pleasing. Jesus grew in favour with God and men. People like Jesus. He had to die, rallying against him, but they liked Jesus. He was great. He made wine at their wedding. <laughs> and so today, let's just finish off with this. For as we speak, as messengers approved by God, did you hear that? This is where you get your security. You are approved by God. Okay? To be entrusted with the good news, he trusts you enough to carry that. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. And next week, if we look at David, we'll see that that was one of the big characteristics that God looked for in him. Musicians, please come out. And let's finish with praise, eh? To our God and Father. Maybe you're here today and you've never actually received Christ into your life. You, you do feel that sense of insecurity. As I was talking with my wife about this last night, she said, you know that there is that God-shaped hole that you need filled with Jesus in your life. You can't get rid of it without it. Um, I'm just going to pray as we get ready to sing our last song. And if that's you, if you're like, you know what, I do think I need Jesus, there's something missing in my life, I'd just like you to pray along with me and just agree with me at the front here and say, yeah, I want that. Ask Jesus into your life because I'll tell you right now that he is the one who will give you that secure feeling because it is God living in you. And then as we're talking about the Holy Spirit this morning, it says that he is the one who confirms to our spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. And he will come in and he will make his home in you. How do you do it? The Bible says just by faith, it says believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, ask Jesus into your life and he will come. So if we just close our eyes, if that's you, just pray with me and, and at the end of the prayer today, see your friend if they're with you and say I've made that decision or come and see me afterwards. Um, I'll just be up the front. If you're new to church and you'd like to say day to me, just come along and to the front here and say hi, I'd love to meet you.